without further ado, it is great to welcome back a man who is an authority on both politics, sports, and radio and television, quite quite a few other things. New York Times bestselling author, Fox and Friends co-anchor, nationally syndicated radio talk show host, and uh, one of the most sought-after live speakers that there is, Brian Kilmeade. Hello, Brian. What's going on, Frank? Don't forget, uh, the paperback's out now, the President Freedom Fighter. It's changing America. Uh, changing America is <laughs> uh, is an understatement. I uh, have uh, not yet received my signed copy of the President and the oh. Freedom Fighter, but I have I have another version. Next time I see you, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure to have this with me so I can get you to sign this. And the paperback is out. What's the best way for people to go? Do you recommend they go to your website or Amazon? Or yeah, I mean, or if what? people want to personalize it, because uh, I worked out a great deal uh, in Bayshore with Barnes and Noble, so people who order around the country it goes there. I show up once a week. And I personalize it, kind of the one eight hundred flowers thing. Oh, cool! Right in. That's great. They, they fill in the box. Yeah. Can they get the, your other books uh, personalized uh, through oh, yeah. that method as well? Absolutely. People that care about America, you got the President Freedom Fighter, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the Battle to Save America's Soul. Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. Here in New York, we we got what one day of Texas history. So in Texas, they get it in fourth grade, eighth grade, eleventh grade uh, about how the whole state was founded. It was a country. So I focused on Sam Houston, what happened next, and then Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans, the battle everyone told us, got one day of that in social studies in school. I don't know if you got that. Uh, they told us we didn't have to fight that battle. It's totally, it's totally wrong, and it was a huge victory for America. We never would be invaded again. And then Thomas Jefferson took on, had his first uh, war on terror. He was the first American president to deal with it. And then you have uh, George Washington's Secret Six, which is all about Long Island. Uh, no, it's, uh, I've read, I think, all of your books, and uh, they're all very readable. They all tell a chapter of American history that uh, I think, that, as you said, we don't really learn in school. And if we do learn it, uh, it's definitely from a different perspective. So people can check that out at BrianKillMe.com. Yeah. And you can also get some information about the live stage show. Meanwhile, uh, speaking of history, Brian... For those of us that follow baseball, yesterday we lived through history uh, as for the fir- for the first time since 1956, there was a no-hitter in the World Series. Here was Dusty Baker, the manager of the Houston Astros, uh, talking about that no-hitter. Combined no-hitter is, I mean, that's hard to do because usually somebody's going to give it up, uh, you know, during that no-hitter. And so, you know, all our guys were, were, were poised and ready and and strong, and that's one reason why I didn't use some of those guys in that game to try to salvage that game last night because I wanted them to be fresh for today, and they'll be fresh, relatively fresh tomorrow. Series is now tied two games to two. Who do you give the edge to at this point, Brian? I still believe for some reason the Phillies are going to pull this off, but uh, it just did remind me of the Yankees. Remember the Yankees? We thought to themselves, well, that, that's uh, there's Aaron Judge. I mean, how the hell could he be striking out? You know, and, and how could no one be making contact? And it, it did seem like the, the, the team that hit five homers could not even see the ball yesterday. So, uh, and Dusty Baker just told us why he's a great manager. He doesn't look at analytics. He said, listen, we're going to lose. I'm not wasting any more arms. So what we, it's only going to be one game. It's on the road. I'm going to come back with I'm going to come back with a good chance to win tomorrow, and that was last night. So that guy's out won a World Series. I think this is sentiment with that. Would not be stunned if Houston won, but if you ask me, uh, it's still Philadelphia's. 
you know, speaking of Philadelphia and Houston, these two cities are may as well just go to war with one another because not only are they facing off in the World Series tonight, but they're facing off in Thursday night football with the Eagles undefeated going against the Houston Texans. I mean, what a season the Eagles are having so far, right? What about Philadelphia overall? I mean, I think the Philadelphia Union are in the MLS Finals, and you have uh, the World Series with the Phillies, undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. So this is pretty pretty special. And for some reason, the President of the United States takes a shot at the Eagles yesterday, or two <laughs> days ago, that they're obnoxious fans, which they are. But, I mean, if you're a President of the United States, does that benefit you? Yeah, well, when especially you're looking to maximize state. the city? Especially a swing state that you've got to run up the score in in cities like Philadelphia if not only you want to win in 2024, but if you want uh, your Senate candidate to win. So that is uh, one of the most uh, competitive Senate races in the country. And since that debate with Fetterman, it does seem like momentum is going more in Dr. Oz's way. What's your read on the Pennsylvania Senate race? I cannot believe it. I have this poll out uh, from Fox. I don't know if you saw it. And it says Fetterman's winning. And I'm stunned by that. I mean, what are you thinking, Pennsylvania? Or will we have to revisit how we do the polls? How can you watch that debate, have his agenda exposed? He's Bernie Sanders in a hoodie. And, ha- and he is actually leading Dr. Oz by three points. And it was four in September. Now it's three. Come on. Are you kidding? It was 11 in the beginning of September. It was uh, so, I mean, he closed the, excuse me, in July. In September, it was four. And now it's three. I, I, I'm stunned by this. Yeah, I still, uh, and whether the polls are going for candidates that I like or not, I still don't necessarily put that much uh, stock in a lot of these polls. I I don't think that the polling models accurately... Uh, reflect how voters are uh, are feeling about races. I think maybe you put a little more stock into these polls than I do. We'll see what's going to happen. I mean, Emerson has Zeldin losing by eight. Trafalgar has him winning by percentage points. I'm not going to forget this, Frank. We're going to come on. Uh-huh. The next? We'll, we'll have the results by next week. Let's just remember what polls are a total a colossal waste of time or not. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. Uh, well, you know, speaking of the uh, Senate races, and I want to ask you about the Zeldin race in just a second. You had a terrific interview with uh, probably the most polarizing U.S. Senate candidate in America. The people that love him really love him, and the people that uh, don't want him to win really don't want him to win. Herschel Walker, you were talking to him yesterday about how this race is shaping up. Well, you know, right now I've always told my campaign what we want to do is run like we're behind. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm out on the bus tour. I want the people to continue to see that I'm ready to serve them right now. And that's one of the things that Raphael Warnock did not do when he went to Washington. He forgot about the people of Georgia. And I think he showed that in the debate, but he was not prepared. He showed it when he got to Washington because he went with Joe Biden. And now I want the people to see there's a difference between he and I. Well, um, you've followed this race probably more closely than anybody, and I think probably done more interviews with Herschel Walker than anybody. <laughs> What's your take on this race? Well, a couple of things. I I've, don't get the go attacking his intellect. I, I played a cut from Al Sharpton on MSNBC. He's like, you know, Herschel, I don't even think he read a book, let alone wrote a book. Excuse me? He's, he's written two books. And if the, a part of the reason this controversy is in it, he writes about uh, some of the mental challenges he's had in his life talks about uh, the bullying he went through. It's r- written as if Herschel's saying it. 
I mean, number one, I don't understand. The guy is one of the most successful businessmen uh, in the region. He set this up on his own. He's played and starred in five different sports, done thousands of interviews. He's totally conversant. You might not like what he says. Totally conversant in the issues. But instead of saying, well, Herschel Walker is too conservative or too inexperienced, they go, he's dumb. Really? He's dumb? I thought there was a time in America where where people were a little concerned about making ridiculous statements about minorities especially. Like, you and I are used to being called dumb. Uh, but if you go to—I used to, you know, get people telling me, uh, stop calling black quarterbacks athletic and white quarterbacks smart. Uh, why? I didn't even realize that. Well, that's it's just kind of insulting because— uh, as if black quarterbacks just are only good because they're athletic. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's a subtle thing that I never thought I could right. learn from that. So when I looked at Warren Moon, I never thought great athlete. I thought he was really smart. So I, Randall Cunningham was the first uh, black quarterback to have great success. He was he used to be one of the, like his older brother, uh, a great running back in the open field. When people used to say great athlete and the black community was a little upset. Can anyone stick up for Herschel and just say, if you don't like him, understood? But stop mocking him and saying he's dumb. Unless I played yesterday on TV with Herschel. The whole uh, uh, the whole mock of him in the cold open in SNL, where they basically show him not being able to get a sentence out. And you just sit there and go, okay, that's basically an attack. You know, it's not even humorous. Right. You know, in general, I don't really see the value in folks calling – other people an idiot. You know, just yesterday yes. on this show, Thank there was uh, multiple people that said of, of Herschel Walker, and uh, I would say the same thing if they were saying this of Fetterman or anybody else. They said, oh, oh, I, I'm not going to vote for Herschel Walker because he's an idiot. I, I just, I don't see how that <laughs> elevates the discourse at all. And I think it says a lot more about the kind of person that would call someone an idiot than uh, than it does about the, the object of that person's scorn. I mean, uh, it's very interesting. Now, uh, going into Tuesday, you know, uh, it was about eight years ago, the Republicans ended up winning in 2014 these key statewide races in all these blue states. You had Maryland, a solid blue state. They elected a Republican governor. Massachusetts, uh, Illinois, Vermont, bluest of blue states. They were all electing Republican governors. Some people are saying the same thing could happen this year. States like Nevada, Oregon, maybe even New York. What does your gut tell you about uh, whether or not their red wave is really going to sweep over these blue states? I'm fascinated by it, and that's going to be one of the themes Saturday on One Nation is that you know people are like, well, how do you look at 400-plus House races and you know all these uh, governor's races and then the Senate and the – and I just say what I'm going to be looking at is if uh, people in America are fed up, Democrats are going to vote for Republicans. Republicans are going to vote for Republicans. Democrats have done nothing outside Manchin and Cinema to buck their horrible agenda, that, in my view, that President Biden's putting forward. But if you get a governor in Oregon uh, for the first time in 40 years that's a Republican, if you put a governor in New York City, in, excuse me, New York State, for the first time since George Pataki shocked the world and got three terms uh, in the 90s, and Lee Zeldin, if you put a uh, if you go out and uh, and put a Republican uh, in Illinois, absolutely. And then if you have put one in Wisconsin and flip that state back uh, to a Republican, which was trending to the left. And it's all a response to the pandemic, the horrible way in which they handled it and the mass killings, uh, shootings, as well as the 
the the Waukesha plowing down during a Christmas parade of innocent people and uh, and the governor not doing anything, allowing the BLM riots to take over the streets and not uh, saying anything. So when you see Republicans start taking these seats, that's when it's going to, in my view, help the country because the Democrats will act like a normal party again. Where we could remember the good old days when we baited Obamacare, we'd say, okay, health care is an issue. We just don't like, in my view, I didn't like that plan. But no one doubted health care was an issue. Now we're saying the border is not an issue, according to Democrats. Fentanyl is not an issue, according to Democrats. Crime is not an issue, according to Democrats. Uh, inflation is, uh, is, at least it's stabilized, according to Democrats. I'm going to myself, we're not even identifying on the issues. And the only thing that will change is when their experts sit around and said, what did we do wrong? And they do their autopsy. How did we lose these blue seats? Well, because we're not doing anything the country wants. We're doing something some liberal think tank prefers. And that doesn't help us. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens on Tuesday. Uh, maybe we can even chat Wednesday morning uh, to, as, as some of these results are coming in. I'll, I'll break format for you. That, <laughs> we'd appreciate that. Because uh, Alaska, Nevada, California, a lot of West Coast uh, states have uh, surprisingly competitive races. All right. Uh, what Radio, television today, what can we look forward to? All right. Um, we are uh, got uh, Dan Crenshaw. Uh, Lee Zeldin's joining me at 11.34. Catherine Limbaugh, she has a book out about uh, Rush Limbaugh uh, along with uh, along with their brother, uh, David Limbaugh. So Catherine's going to be joining us and talking about the impact in the book that they have out. Mark Thiessen of the Washington Post and Carly Shimkus, who uh, cut her teeth at WABC with Imus. Uh, she'll be on Fresh Off Fox and Friends today. And I'm going to be talking about Don Balduck was attacked last night in New Hampshire, the general. Uh, is gaining despite almost no establishment support in the Republicans, but the general is able to uh, to shake it off and move ahead. As it I'm sounds talk like about you the think president's the, horrible speech yesterday. The, it sounds like you think the Republicans threw in the towel too quickly on that New Hampshire race because you know he came out and said some things that made him seem unelectable. And Schumer put millions of dollars in, so he won because they thought he was beatable. And when he came out and said, "If I win, McConnell, I'm not, I'm going to vote against McConnell," so McConnell pulled all his money out. And now Rick Scott's scrambling to get it in. We had Ambassador Nikki Haley uh, campaigning with him yesterday. I think Tom Cotton's going up there again. He, Tom Cotton told me yesterday, he goes, listen, the numbers are unbelievable. He's within one point. So you talk about beating Maggie Hassan with an inexperienced brigadier general. And this is the one thing I think we discussed. If not, we should have. He's doing the Scott Brown approach. Right. All he did was hop in his car and drive around and, and convene town halls, whether it was two or 20. And now, now there's hundreds. And then he gets the nomination, and he doesn't get the endorsement of Trump until two days ago. Trump looked at the numbers and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help him. Uh, I could be the difference. Just like Blake Masters in Arizona, he got, he got to, he's probably going to get two percentage points because the Libertarian dropped out. So that's how close all these elections are. It's really exciting to watch. Brian, it is always a treat to uh, to chat with you. Uh, I will I'll talk with you this time next Wednesday. We'll see we'll see how these uh these races shaped up. And I hope to see all listeners in person including including uh yours Frank uh December 2nd in Newark, New Jersey, the New Jersey Performing Arts Center. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. People can get more details at com or get one of those personalized books. Thank you, Brian. 
Go uh, get him, Frank. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you can be heard at 800-848-9222. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame in just a bit. But uh, Mike, who's in the Carolinas, has been patiently waiting. Hello, Mike. Oh, no problem, Frank. Uh, patiently wait. My, my smartphone is, is fully charged. Excellent. Uh, I was laughing. Uh, you know, copies of conversation. Your show is great. And not to criticize you, I'm not. Don Lawson pitched a, a perfect game in that World Series, and tough to do. Uh, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'm a baby boomer. Well, and, and but Mike, I, I don't understand. What is the criticism? I wasn't taking anything away from Don Larson. No, I'm just saying it was a perfect game. Oh, I see. That's okay, all. okay. I referred to it as a no-hitter. I, right, no gotcha. big deal. Okay, no fair big enough, deal. fair enough. Okay. Now, now, okay. <laughs> Uh, round of applause for the baby boomers. I'm a baby boomer. And top sheet, do you want it or not? I really could give it. You know what? I'm an old hardball player. And it's like, uh, but it's a topic of conversation. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, life goes on. And however you want to sleep, I was laughing. You want a sleeping bag or whatever the case may be, uh, go for it. And Brian Kilmeade, uh, never called this show, but I will talk about uh, Master Peaker and this and that. And uh, all right, Frank. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, I'm up in Long Island now, so uh, for a couple of days. Oh. So, uh, well, enjoy your visit. What you're doing. We'll do. All, All right. right, thank you, Mike. Original Rick is in New Jersey. Hello, Original Rick. Yes. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Uh, I am sheet free. I don't wear. I don't use any sheets. On the well, bottom, I, I use a microfiber blanket. You know what they are? They feel like velvet. Wait, you don't cover your mattress in a sheet? No, I have a blanket over the mattress, and then over that blanket I have a microfiber uh, cover. You know, that feels like velvet. It's like you're sleeping on velvet. What could be more luxurious? Right, than okay, so I understand. So you have uh, the mattress, and on top of the mattress you have a microfiber blanket. So first, first a blanket, a real blanket. Oh, okay, a, the, you use a blanket, blanket where most people would use... The sheet, then right. you're there, and then on top of you is a microfiber blanket. No, 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 no. Over that blanket is a microfiber. I, the bottom is now a microfiber. What? Okay. This is un- crazy. It's <laughs> me. No wonder you're top. always awake talking to me because you can't sleep. You got such a bizarre setup oh, over may, there. Maybe you may be like this. Listen, so then on top, I use a comforter, two comforters in the, in the winter. Because the comforter is nice and smooth and, and, and puffy, and, and it just is very comforting. That's why they call it a comforter. And so I have a microfiber underneath me. I'm sleeping on velvet. And then on top, I have a nice puffy comforter. It's, it's, it's like being in a, a womb. You know? I, I, I can't take any more of this, Rick. Thank you. 800-848-9222. 15 seconds of fame. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. 